everybody, and welcome into another edition of Betting the High Line, part of the Book It Sports Network. As always, I'm Taylor Wilson here with you, joined via Zoom by the one and only Thomas Viola and an advisory, folks. He can barely talk today, so this is really him roughing it, uh, but he needs to come on and gloat about the Azzurri, the Italian national team. How you doing, Tom? I have lost my voice screaming for the Italians, <laughs> but oh man, was it worth it? We cash a futures ticket. My boys win the whole dang thing. That felt good. And what a game that Euro final was going down to the wire with penalty kicks. When England scored in the first few minutes, I said, oh no, don't let this be how this goes. Like don't, don't not show up to this game. And sure enough, they just needed a little bit of time to wake up. And once they did, Italy really controlled most of the game. They had the possession that they wanted. They finally broke down an England defense. But let's be real. We talked pre-tournament. We did not expect this defense to be the shining star of this team. We thought this was going to be an offensive team. They were going to go out and score goals. I, I don't really agree with the way Southgate played a lot of the lineups, but credit to England. I, I thought they were a pretender and yeah, they had the easier side of the bracket, but making it to the final and they did play well. And that defense played enormously stout, especially my boy, Jordan Pickford good on them, but feels good to finally cash a futures. I think that puts us back in the black in terms of our uh, overall betting. You know, all of the analysis was off when it was actually Jordan Pickford and Harry Maguire that were basically the most important players for the England national team run. Uh, absolutely incredible run to the final for them. But for Italy, their first Euro win since 1968, their first major tournament since 06, uh, and really the start of, you know, golden generation is a strong term, but this is a really good team. You're going to have a couple of players aging out of it, but some really good young players also, Tom, uh, going forward for the next few years. What do you expect for this Italian team? I mean, I, you know, we have Qatar in a year and a half. Are you like you putting them in the favorites conversation for that? What are your expectations for the next few years? Did you see the guy who uh, he got 12 to one odds on Italy to win the World Cup thinking he was buying a Euro ticket? Oh, <laughs> the fact that they were 12 to one around that, the fact that they were in that neighborhood pre-tournament and they're in that neighborhood for the World Cup. I like both of those prices. They weren't the best team heading into this Euro. I just liked them because of how hot they've been and how well they're playing. That being said, I think then when it comes World Cup time, the magic doesn't strike twice. This was the tournament that they were more built to win. I think they'll do well in the World Cup, but it's going to be another year older for Chiellini and Benucci. And I think that especially a team like France that is going to come back, they're going to retool. You know that. I think they'll be able to take more advantage of these aging center backs as they get even older. Yes, Italy has Donnarumma, who is, man, talk about a miracle. That's like the Indianapolis Colts going from Peyton Manning to uh, Andrew Luck. John Luigi Buffon is a once in a generation, if not more, goalkeeper. And to be able to replace him with a guy like Donnarumma, who might be capable of being the same level of player. That's really lucky, but they need to find new center backs. Chiellini and Benucci are not going to be there forever, and they might not be there by the next tournament. Yeah, I really wanted Chelsea to get uh, Donnarumma back in the day, like a couple of years ago. First goalkeeper, by the way, to win player of the tournament in the Euros. Outstanding run for him. Just a couple of other bits and bobs from these Euros. Cristiano Ronaldo and Patrick Schick out of all people, tying on golden boot for five goals. CR getting it on the assist tiebreaker. Uh, and then Pedri getting young player of the tournament there for Spain. So let's take a quick look at the board 
going ahead to Qatar 2022. A reminder, this one going to be taking place in November. So just a year away from this coming November, about a year and a half from when we're talking right now, uh, going DraftKings numbers as we often do here on the show. And France, you mentioned them a second ago, Tom, and Brazil, joint favorites, both at plus 550. Both of these teams are kind of the ultimate, like, you sort of get a sense of what their tournament's going to be like in their pre-tournament camp. There's often sort of reports of drama that come out of both of these camps, and that's when you know things will be going south. But when they go well, of course, they go very well. In our lifetime, we haven't really seen Brazil live up to snuff. They haven't won the World Cup since 2002. That'll be 20 uh, 20 years right on the dot once this tournament kicks off. And France, of course, like I said, complete Jekyll and Hyde. They made the final at Euro 2016. They won the World Cup of 2018. But I would say, a, fair to say, a disaster this time around. By the way, they were the really the reason why I didn't pick Italy to make the final is I was like, ah, I don't know if Italy can get past France. Maybe a lesson there to not get too obsessed about one hypothetical matchup there, Tom. But uh, I will take that lesson next time around. France and Brazil, um, I, I don't, obviously, you know, plus 550, I don't think either of us would ever take a price there. But I don't particularly like Brazil at all to be in contention at this tournament. France will be one of the most talented teams. What do you think about those two favorites? Um, specifically, honestly, I like Brazil a little more than France mm. simply because of Le Patern. Um, you mentioned it. France is very hit or miss at World Cups. They're actually like clockwork. Every World Cup, they do the opposite of what they did before. They have a really great World Cup, then a really terrible World Cup, then a really great World Cup. Of course, in 2014, they were terrible. So 2016, uh, 2018, they come out, win the whole dang thing. Um, and then you bring that back 2010, they were, also I might have awful. my pattern. Yeah. Those were, yeah, the, the pattern, the pattern ended up coming together there in 2010. Yeah, the pattern, the, but. Is that, but they have that tradition of they'll do really yeah. well in an international <laughs> tournament and then do really poorly. And it goes yeah. back and forth based on tournaments, not just the world cup. I, um, I, I know I have that right, but bear with me guys that there's a little bit of fog in the head still from this, uh, this soreness here, but um, Brazil at least has the benefit of Neymar and they have a, a tremendously talented team. I love the fact that you have that goalkeeper depth. I mean, you got, how, how do you have Ederson and Allison? That that's just crazy, but I don't know. I, neither of these teams really feels like they're going to be France is only the favorite because they just won a world cup, but we saw them not do very well at this Euro, by the way, just want to say called that said Switzerland had the talent to beat them. Oh, um, I did not see that at all. I did not, not like that Switzerland team. I'm pretty sure I said it on the show. We'll, we'll clip it. We'll find it. Yeah. But uh, it, it was a good Euro for me. Um, Italy 10 to one. I'm not overly wild about either. Like I said, the most overrated price on the board though has to be Germany eight to one. What has this team showed you that shows that they're in any way capable of doing this? That, that just seems like an assumption of, on name recognition, you know, thinking you'll just pull the public into it and also just assuming that Germany could kind of reset. Like, I do think this there will be a solid Germany reset. I just don't think it's happening that soon. You know, like, let's let's remember, Qatar is a year and a half away. I, we saw what Germany was at this tournament. None of these teams are going to be radically, radically different. You know, unless unless they just get bad matchups and completely fall apart or or vice versa, get a lucky path and go off. As far as in a vacuum, I don't think you can do anything with Germany. They're tied on uh, on odds there with Spain, which is a little bit more intriguing because that's a young team. Right. We mentioned Pedri, who 
uh, gets a young player of the tournament. There are some intriguing young players in that team. I don't love that price either, though. England making their first final in like three generations at these Euros. You can get them at plus 850. Again, that's just not the zone I like to bet these futures in, particularly not an England team that we still haven't seen win anything. You know, great to make the final, still haven't won anything. Don't think I love them at that price. Um, just really quick on Italy. You know, we've seen teams repeat across the Euros and World Cup before. You think about Spain back in the 08 Euros, 2010 World Cup, 2012 Euros. That was one of the great dynasties we've ever seen. France won the 98 World Cup and then the 2000 Euros. It's still very difficult to be, and you do have to be kind of one of those dynastic in their prime teams. I would have looked more maybe to the Italy team in 2006 to be that kind of a caliber of team. I don't know if this squad is there yet, especially at 10 to 1. I'd want a little bit more value, but hey, if Italy plays like they did at these at, at these Euros, I mean, they beat Belgium, they beat England. Uh, who else am I missing? Spain. Uh, they beat Spain to, to win it all. Like, they were on the tough side of the bracket with a bunch of young players, and they still got it done. And I really liked Mancini's run as well. So, uh, yeah, maybe 10 to 1 isn't the right price, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Italy do well uh, at that it, tournament. It, it's like I said, though, it's all going to come down to how old Chiellini and Benucci are in another year and the fact that you'll be playing that – after another condensed off season, their legs are going to be even more dead. It's so much harder to recover at that age. And you're going to be playing it during the Christmas break. I, I just don't know that they're going to be able to do it one more time. They're, they're so good. They're so knowledgeable. They're, they're one of the best center back pairings of all time, in my opinion, but age catches up to you eventually. Uh, a team that I'm looking towards. I like Portugal at 16 to one. I know I liked them a little bit in this Euros. Maybe that was a little too soon, but they've got a lot of young talent. It's not the Ronaldo aging out. It's the young guys coming in that really makes me feel good about this team's direction moving into the future. I think that this just wasn't quite ready for them, but another year of development, who knows what's going to happen there. I, I, I don't hate that squad. The other team that we really have to look at, the Argentines. They just won the Copa America. Messi is going to be on his way up. This is probably going to be his last major tournament. And all of a sudden, they, they kind of surprised putting it together and getting past Brazil there. Do you think that they could do it again? So this will probably be the last major tournament, or I guess I should say possibly be the last major tournament for both Messi and Ronaldo, uh, which, which will be a huge storyline here. I mean, you know, especially like in the U.S., that'll be a big marketing tool for this tournament, I would imagine. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, some of my similar thoughts for Argentina kind of always apply. They don't dominate the midfield as much as I'd like. I, I think they could make a deep run. It's all about matchups with them. They can create some real shithousery as well and, and kind of bring the game down to that, which is big. I, you know, this is a very European dominated board. You have Uruguay on there, which you talk about a team that is completely aging out of their generation. You know, I don't, Suarez and Cavani, I guess will be playing in that cup if they qualify, who knows if they even qualify, by the way, that's something to keep in mind. You have teams on this board who you have no guarantee are going to be at this World Cup, uh, which yeah. is the last this 32 is all, team World Cup. This is all such an immensely far look ahead. Down the board, just really quick. So the first non-South American European team on the board, as you could imagine, is Mexico at 50 to 1. The kings of the round of 16. I mean, I would never touch them on, a, on this kind of a bet in general, but it is interesting to see them at 50 to 1 and the U.S. at 80-1. to 1. Do you think those are, are fair prices? Yeah. 
I, I think, especially for right now, what the teams are, I think those are very fair prices. I also think that the winner of this tournament is going to come out of South America or maybe Central America, which would be Mexico, I guess, but mostly skewing to the South Americans. Because remember, it's in Qatar. It's going to be hot. Um, some of these teams really aren't quite used to that level of heat that the South American teams might be. It's an interesting take. Interesting take. I, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you give a shout out to like a, a Spain as well in that conversation. Um, I, I want nothing to do with Mexico. Like, I, like they've made it exactly to the round of 16, no shorter, no farther. We don't, basically we, we, our entire lives. We don't know who their coach is going to be. There's no guarantee Tata makes it past this, this tournament that we're in right now. If they don't win the gold cup, he might be done. Yeah. We don't, we don't know anything beyond that. Uh, I would, I mentioned the U S and we'll talk about them a little bit later with the gold cup this summer. I'd be interested to look at, you know, last eight, last four prices. That's going to end up being where I bet the U S in that tournament, assuming they qualify knock on wood, uh, which I guess we have to say after a few years ago, but uh, that's kind of where I'm looking. I think it's obviously a little bit too early to maybe start thinking about winning at all for this generation. That's going to happen in 2026. I think we're in agreement uh, on that, Tom. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on, uh, on the Euros or World Cup before we move on? Mm, I think that closes it out. Forza Yazuri, man. There you go. Well, congratulations to you. Uh, a great bet before the tournament. So I was, I was thinking like every round, I was like, man, when do I take Italy? When do I take Italy? I've missed the boat. I missed the boat. I should have just taken them at some point and just said, you know, forget it, but whatever. I almost, I almost didn't take them because I got them at eight to one. And I was like, well, I could have had them at 12 to one. I missed it. But I just said, Hey, it's still pre-tournament. I believe they're going to win. The price is only going to go down from here. Might as well get in when I can. Fair enough. Moving on from the Euros and the World Cup to a tournament that's even greater, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. And oh boy, has it been super concacaf -y. First of all, nothing spells CONCACAF like having a Middle Eastern team in Qatar participating, uh, and they've been a great treat uh, as well. The U.S., couple of games in the books. We'll get to their game with Canada here in a second. Uh, I just want to run through some picks. Uh, some of these are extremely lopsided. So you have to look into, you know, the, the spread zone. You have to uh, look into maybe the total zone. First up, Grenada and Qatar. I mentioned Qatar, not a CONCACAF team, but they are this summer. They were going to be at the Copa America, by the way, Tom. But of course, uh, you know, everything with COVID and they you know, ended up at the Gold Cup instead. Why not? Um, actually not awful if you look at their recent history, which is something we'll be talking about since they will be a team at the World Cup as hosts in a year and a half. They won the 2019 they're, Asian Cup. Go ahead. They're not bad. Yeah, they, they're fun going forward. They're actually really fun to watch in just an insane 3-3 Panama game. Extremely concacafy. Nil-nil at halftime. And then five goals in 18 minutes to start the second half. So that, that was a kind of a, a real descriptor of what the Gold Cup has been like so far. This team won the 2019 Asian Cup. They beat a lot of solid teams along the way, the best teams on the continent, South Korea and Japan, and then won it all. Grenada, they're coming off of a 4-0 loss to Honduras. I don't know if you saw any of this game, Tom, but go, if you haven't, and this is true for you as well, listener, go to the highlights and check out one of the worst. I I hesitate to call it a goalkeeping error. I would, you know, I let's, let's be Why careful not to get sued, Why are sued you for libel to here. Why are you trying to Cruyff turn as the goalie? 
Why are you doing that? Exactly. So I, you know, I'll just use the word point shaving. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know what's going on there at the back, but a fun CONCACAF game to play, Tom, is are you point shaving or are you really that bad? Which is a game I enjoy. Honestly, Uh, like a goalkeeper getting an own goal on a Cruyff turn. That's what I call (laughs) CONCACAF. Uh, so I just wanted to get all that out of the way. Uh, I, there's no good price here. Qatar is like minus a billion to, to Grenada being, uh, of course, big plus underdogs here. I'd say look for an over move if possible, but I haven't found the right price so far. You have any play you like here, Tom? Any crazy spread? Uh, Qatar minus three and a half, anything like that? I like Qatar. Like I think that they're actually a pretty good team. Um, I think they'll win this game, but I, I, I can't trust any of these spreads on these games when you have just these teams doing this ridiculous stuff. Like, <laughs> I want to fade Grenada because I'm so pissed. I took them plus 2.75 in the <laughs> Honduras game. I have no idea why. Just just need action. You know, it's that point of, it's that point of the summer. So uh, I am so mad at Grenada. I'm going to do something with Qatar. I don't know what yet. Uh, two more legitimate teams, Panama and Honduras. I, I, I'm looking at uh, something in the total department here. I mentioned that Panama Qatar 3-3 game with five goals in 18 minutes. Honduras, they actually have real players who have played overseas. Mayanor Figueroa, who was in England with Wigan and Hull City. Jerry Bankston in the U.S. with the New England Revolution. But those dudes are 38 and 34 year, years old, respectively. Panama, they were last runners up in the Gold Cup in 2013. They made the World Cup in 2018. They're, I guess you could say that was their golden generation. They're a little bit past that now. I'm just looking at an over here because the prices seem way out of whack. You can get over two and a half goals for plus 145. This is a tournament that's averaged 3.41 goals a game so far. Now, some of that is, you know, the U.S. beating Martinique 6-1 to one and Canada beating Martinique four to one. Like you have a lot of these blowouts that are contributing to high scoring games. But again, you, we, we saw three, three in this tournament, you know, with somewhat evenly matched teams playing. I think that's the case here again, two and a half is, you know, that classic kind of average reasonable number on totals in soccer. Usually you expect to see either over or under to be, you know, close to even this is plus plus one forty-five. I don't know what I'm missing. There's probably something major that's going way over my head on this, but the price seems too good to be true. I'm still going to take it over two and a half. No, I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, I mean, I like Honduras to win the game. Plus 115 is not a bad price, but you're right. I'd much rather take that over two and a half plus 145 price. This game's going to have three goals, in my opinion. Even if Honduras has to get all three themselves, this Panama team is bad enough to allow that. Um, 145 for a three goal game. I might even sprinkle a little bit on this three and a half plus three forty because why not? Ooh. Like not much, but yeah, yeah. Not, not much, but like why, why not give it a shot? I, I don't hate that at all here. Like you said, in a tournament that's had so many goals. Yeah. I don't mind that at all. Um, I I'm probably going to go the more conservative play at two and a half, mm-hmm. but you could go more aggressive there as well. And, and I think probably pocket a pretty nice profit. Martinique and Haiti, just going to mention it, have absolutely no take. We'll move on unless you have an objection there, Tom. <laughs> there it is. That brings us to the U S and Canada. Both of these teams have won both of their first games. They've of course played the same teams, Martinique and Haiti, the U S underwhelming with a, you know, like you mentioned, kind of a B minus if that lineup against Haiti in a one nil win to start, they then clobbered Martinique. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday. So last night, six to one, 
Very fun game. You can throw all you want out about uh, the opposition, the opposition. The Daryl DK show is very, very real. He had two goals in this game. Both of them really nice finishes. Should have had a third, but they gave an own goal to Martinique instead. DK went to the English Championship, now went back to MLS. I'm assuming he's going to end up back in Europe here in the next, I don't know if it's the January transfer window. I don't know when that happens. But a player who, you talk about inform Tom. I don't know if this is going to be the same deal in a year and a half in Qatar, but DK has been on fire. Big DK energy, man. I think <laughs> that he goes back a little earlier. I think he goes back in this upcoming summer transfer window. He's too good for MLS. He needs to be playing over in the Premier League. He needs to be on a team. Maybe not Man City and Man United, but I, I'm all for the rumors that have linked Everton with him. I want him on that squad. I will buy that kit in a heartbeat, my friend. That would be very, very exciting. I, I Hell, I might buy that kit, Dom. Uh, that would be really, really hype. I Well, also in this, in this tournament where kind of the bigger teams – well, the U.S. namely has not obviously sent their A squad, many of their European-based players just getting a bit of a break here this summer. DK has really, really shined. It's also a team with Gio Akini coming off the bench. Matthew Hoppe started the Martinique game. And uh, my boy Miles Robinson, I think, could also be somewhere in the, in the center back pool mix for Qatar. So you have a few players to look at that could be part of the U.S. going forward. But more than that, it's kind of the MLS-based players. You're learning something about players. You maybe don't watch much if you're not a huge MLS person, uh, but they really impressed against Martinique. Canada, meanwhile, 4-1 winners over both Haiti and Martinique, so they did better against Haiti. No Alfonso Davies, their talismanic star for this tournament. They do have Kyle Lahren, who has three goals in two games. They do have Junior Hoylett, who just left Cardiff City and has one goal and two assists in two games. The U.S. you can get for minus 120 in this on money line, Tom, it just, it seems totally reasonable to me that even this backup U S team could be better than a somewhat backup Canada squad. Am I wrong? I mean, this team looked good in that, in that second game, I throw the first game versus Haiti out because Burhalter played the worst possible lineup. He got a lot of flack for that, but honestly, I don't hate it. You knew you were playing a terrible team. Get some of these guys who are going to be those back-end rotation players starting minutes because why not? Treat it like a preseason game. You went out and won. Now, yes, they didn't win by enough where Canada now sits in a position where a draw wins them the group versus the U.S., but I still think this U.S. team is better than a Canada squad that's without their two best players. Yeah, I I, I would lean to agree there. Um, you know, Berhalter is going to continue, especially in this game, to make – experimental decisions that's just part i mean this is the gold cup let's let's remember where we are it has been almost rigged to a point to get us to face mexico in the final i mean you see that reflected in the odds uh in terms of the futures for this tournament i haven't actually looked at them live but before the tournament mexico was like close to even to win it all in the us i think you get it at like one and a half to one they're they're, they're around the bit. same yeah. mexico's still the favorite it's like 125 and 150 now but as a, as a holder, not of a futures ticket, but of actual tickets to the final, very much want to see that game. So let's talk about Mexico for a second, because they did send some, let's call a spade a spade, real players to this tournament. They uh, sent their A-team. Yeah, I mean, close close to it. They obviously, they have some injuries. They have, you know, the, the Raul Jimenez thing. I don't, we're getting close to a point where I don't know if we're going to see this dude, like, play at a high level of soccer again. Yeah. I, Hasn't been back training since the, the facial head injury last November. Really, really sad because he was on fire in the Prem. So 
hopefully he can figure it out. But um, they're obviously without him, a couple other players, but they do have, you know, Chucky Lozano, Jesus Corona, Hector Herrera, Jonathan Dos Santos, the young kid, Efrain, Efrain Alvarez. Uh, it's close to an ace squad. I mean, those are really good players. We saw a few of them in the Nations League final, which I am still giddy about that insane game uh, like a month ago. So Mexico, you know, reasonable favorites for this. They're taking on El Salvador this weekend. You can get them. You have to go spread zone in these games. You can get a minus one and a half goals, minus 135. You could go more bold here. I'm going conservative. Anything under minus 150 at a reasonable Mexico to win by a couple goals margin. You, you like that? You want to go Mexico by two or two and a half or is that too extreme? They didn't look – it was the same thing with the U.S. Didn't look great in that first game. Really showed who they are in the second game. They they beat up that Guatemala team, and it was it was to be expected. I, I'd take a spread bet with Mexico here. And you'd stick at one and a half? Yeah, one and a half is just more reasonable. Um, maybe going to the two and a half. To, let's take a look back at El Salvador's last couple of games here because – that's really what you want to look at with how well they've been. I mean, winning 2-0 versus Trinidad and Tobago, that's okay. But then 2-0 versus Guatemala, yeah, I, I'm sticking with the one and a half. They're not quite the team that's going to get completely rolled. They're going to get rolled, but they're not going to. I, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to bet on a Mexico three goal victory at that number. Keep in mind also this tournament. There's only a few teams in this that really could have home field advantages. Obviously, every single game that Mexico plays is just going to be clad in green jerseys across the stadium. But depending on where this is played, there's a decent amount of Salvadorian Americans as well. So you at least get some of that noise. It's something that you don't get as much with some of these other Caribbean uh, countries. It's uh, true. That are, already, we, that are already lopsided and then they don't have fans in the stadium either. El Salvador is actually going to be playing their World Cup qualifiers here. And... Oh. Yeah, we we are going to play. I, I believe it's official now. We are going to play them for our first World Cup qualifier in D.C. Wow. It's one of their home games, though. It's going to be an El Salvador home game. That's yeah, going to be a 70-30 split. Like, yeah. they, they'll show up. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Is that a COVID thing, Tom? What's the reasoning for that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, really quickly, just to mention it, Guatemala and Trinidad. You mentioned the Trinidadians. Uh, I like Trinidad plus 155. I got nothing else beyond that. Let's go to MLS to wrap things up here, Tom, at the end. A uh, <clears throat> couple of plays for you all. I just want to cry about Atlanta United for a second. Uh. Gabriel Einze, who I was pretty excited about, Argentine manager came in, has now put the franchise player, literally the most important person connected to this franchise, Atlanta United, Joseph Martinez, in the doghouse. No one has any idea what happened. He's apparently training separately from the team. Now, it's been a weird summer for Joseph Martinez to begin with. He, uh, of course, Venezuela was at the Copa America. He went with them to Copa, then tested positive for COVID, could not participate, and was presumably just kind of hanging out in a hotel in Brazil. Uh, then went back to the U.S. after Venezuela got eliminated and is now training separately from an Atlanta United team that desperately needs him. <laughs> uh, is coming off of a severe injury last year, of course, a torn ACL. I have no idea what's happening behind the scenes, but I have news for you, Heinze. Like, the fans, the club itself, everyone will turn on you if you turn on Joseph Martinez. So not the smartest PR strategy from him. Sometimes these managers go on an ego trip and uh, think they're more important 
than the franchise star player. Just be careful. That's all I would say here. Uh, and it would be very interesting to watch what happens to see if Joseph gets super pissed and just wants to finally leave the team. Who knows? But I a mean, lot of drama there. There's a lot of drama, but something clearly happened. And I'm curious as to what it was. Well, and some, sometimes these things don't get out. Sometimes they do. Often you need a player to leak it or someone else very inside to leak it. What would happen to get that leak, Tom, is if everyone in the in the change in the locker room is on Joseph's side adamantly. Which shows the fact that we don't know yet, then maybe yeah. that's not the case. It might not be. It might not be. Uh, so, again, it's been a weird year and a half for Joseph after having – multiple MLS seasons that were in the conversation for best individual seasons in the history of that league, things going south for an Atlanta team that won the title in just their second season. Now, having said that, the Kings of the draw this year, leading the league in draws with seven, I'm going to take them on the draw here against New England. You get it at plus 290. It's by far the best value as the draw often is on the three-way money line. And uh, I, uh, you know, I, I think this will be ugly enough. These teams played each other earlier this year in New England, uh, dominated the second half and won the game 2-1, got some penalty help in that game as well. It's in Atlanta. You'll get a big crowd. I think Atlanta does enough for a point. Give me the overpriced plus 290 uh, on the draw there amid Joseph Martinez drama. All right. New York Red Bulls versus the no longer inter Miami. Red Bulls minus 135 at home, Miami plus 390 on the road. A lot of the times with MLS lines, what you see is just the, the home team gets maybe an undeserved favorite uh, number hung on them, whereas the road team you might be able to get a really good inflated price on. We saw that a couple weeks ago with the Earthquakes being favored over the LA Galaxy in the California Classico. That made no sense. Galaxy were like 2-1, to 3-1 to one as dogs on the road. And, of course, they went in and just waxed my, my poor Earthquakes who have been playing atrociously as of late. Um, I don't think that's the case here. New York Red Bulls are a better team. I, I, might, I might play the minus 135. I think that's reasonable. I mean, I you know, we've talked about this in terms of MLS philosophy before, trying to avoid minus plays as much yes. as possible. But at the same time... You know, I love a good, clean, comfortable fade, and that's what this is as much as anything. Um, I really like Patrick Lamala, the addition there uh, in April for New York Red Bulls as well. Sure, why not? I don't know if I'm going to back you on that either uh, necessarily, but I uh, I think that's, you know, reasonable enough. Let me be clear. That's a lean. I'm probably not going to fire on that game. It's just if I was going anywhere, that's probably where I'd look. I'll give you a second MLS play here this weekend. Toronto FC, my God, have they been awful against Orlando City, who are now, you know, will they get DK again? Won't they? Go ahead, Tom. This, this is this is the line that I was talking about where a road team gets where a road team gets a number that doesn't make much sense. I get that you don't have DK, but it's not like that team was playing badly before he got there. Still Chris Moeller, Nani, Orlando, much, much better. So we're in agreement. Plus 170 is an insane big, price to get Orlando. Big time. I, it just, it makes no sense. This league often makes no sense. And sometimes you see that reflected in the numbers, but Toronto has been awful. One of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the league. Uh, I love Orlando at this price, close to two to one 
Uh, who cares if it's on the road? Yeah, you know, we're in post, post-pandemic, dare I stay, with uh, plenty of fans back, and home field is a real thing in this league, but sometimes it's not, and I don't think it will be here. So give me Orlando also, plus 170. Also, I don't know what the Toronto fan situation is going to be like. Oh, it's Canada, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. I actually have yeah. no idea what's, what that deal is. Uh, good point. All right, so that's what I got. Anything else you want to throw in there, Tom? Um, I... I'm looking through. I mean, Portland Timbers minus 115. Hear me out. Another one of these prices that doesn't make a lot of sense. Seattle Sounders plus 240 versus Minnesota United. United's even money at home. The Sounders are the move there, in my opinion. Yeah, I I would fully agree. Is that a... um... Is that like a west to east time zone thing? Yeah, it is a little bit. So I guess that... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, people put a lot Two of hours. stock into that. Yeah, people put a lot of stock into that uh, in the NFL. And yeah, it's not even a full East Coast move. Um, yeah, They're still that price unbeaten. is totally out of whack. Yeah, that price is completely out of whack. Seattle, really, really good. Uh, yeah, let's let's do that. I'll, I'll back you on that. I have absolutely no problem there. That's what we got, folks. So we, we give you some Gold Cup. We give you some MLS. It's that part of the summer. There's more soccer to come. This is the part of the year where, like, my loved ones – my girlfriend is like, when does soccer end? It never, never, ends. it never ends. So get ready for the late summer shows. We're going to be doing, uh, I believe some Olympic talk next week, Tom, uh, as the Tokyo yes. games are about to start a reminder. These are of course, of course, youth teams. Is it U20 or U23, Tom, plus three veterans, 23, 23. So under 23 plus three designated any age veterans at that tournament, um, which there will be some interesting veterans. Mexico is sending Ochoa uh, in goal, uh, for example. I, that's the only name I know. <laughs> but we'll do some more research and, and figure out some Olympic plays for next week. Uh, I believe just a 16-team tournament, um, mostly youth-oriented, so should be fun. Of course, the U.S. not involved, which is a real heartbreaker. But. Also, a quick warning, Orlando have lost two straight. Not not getting me off the scent there. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see about that one, but I really like that Sounders play too. All right, folks. Well, that'll do it for us. For Thomas Viola, I am Taylor Wilson. This is Betting the High Line, part of the Book It Sports Network. You can download the Book It app today wherever you find your apps, Google Play, Apple App Store, wherever you like to get it. You can find us on social media. I'm at ATL. T. Will on Twitter, at T-W-I-L on the Book It Sports app. Tom, you are? TV at work in both spots. Nice and easy. We will see you here next week talking some Olympics, talking some Gold Cup, talking some MLS. And, uh, folks, we're less than a month away from the Prem season, so we might start to think about some futures there as well. Have a great weekend. Good luck with your bets. We'll see you next week.